Hello, everybody. Andy Jacob here with the .com Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. And I have a great show today. You know, you watch the show all the time, and you know that we love bringing leading experts in their particular space on the show to talk about what they're doing. And of course, we can learn from everyone, no matter what space they're in. And we came across a leading expert in the fashion space. Her name is Miss Frances Harder. And of course, she is the CEO of Fashion for Profit. And there's so much to learn from each other. There's so much to learn from Frances and what her and her team are doing, really to provide very specific world-class educational sort of technical sourcing, outsourcing, and networking to companies that are looking to get in this space. And she does such a great job. She's a go-to leader. She has a prolific writing experience as well. She's written some books we're going to talk about. We're really excited to have Francis on the show today. Francis, welcome to the dot-com magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you. You know, you really offer a global resource and it's a platform to really connect the resources that people need in this particular space to build a successful fashion business and the fashion business is a billion dollar business multi-billion dollar business you're right in the middle of it so we have so many questions for you but before we get started let's pull the lens back to thirty thousand feet tell us about fashion for profit and then we're going to get into it well, fashion for profit really echoes my own experience in the industry and realizing that there was a gap 20 years ago for people, entrepreneurs starting their own business. Often they were creative people who didn't have the business skills. So it led me while I was a professor at Otis College of Art and Design to create a class on entrepreneurship, which included the business side. And that led me on to write my book, the first edition, 1999. We're now in the 11th edition, uh, including sustainability in this one, which is very important. Yeah, I love it. Of course, the 11th edition, I mean, it keeps going strong. You keep adding to it. And of course, you and your team, not only do you do consulting, you present webinars, you do seminars, you have podcasts relating really to the you know multiple avenues that the platform sort of offers your clientele. But let's talk about fashion. Let's talk about the fashion industry. Which types of entrepreneurs reach out to you and they say, hey, we've heard about what you're doing. We've read your book. We want to get into this. Francis, what types of entrepreneurs reach out and say, hey, Francis, we need you. Let's go. No real, I can't just say there's one type because Andy, you get everybody from attorneys to doctors. Uh, I've been helping a doctor with her her covers so that it keeps your skin so you don't get burnt. Um, there was an attorney I just met with who has an idea for a clothing line. There's everybody you can possibly think of. You, young people starting out, graduates, people who've been in all kinds of businesses who have an idea. And I usually meet them when I'm doing seminars at Magic, which is the big trade show in Vegas twice a year, and other trade shows that I am asked to speak at. And um, many times they don't have the book, and then they would purchase the books and um, we would begin working together, depending on what kind of help they needed. Yeah, it's so interesting because in the fashion industry, there's so many different layers and there's so many different complexities to it. 
I've seen some people that just had a great idea for a logo and a great idea for, for a brand and they start small, but then it burgeons, they get up on social, they start building this fashion brand. And before you know it, things start moving in the right direction and things start really proliferating very well. But on the other hand, some people have the idea they don't even know how to take that very first step. So for the people that reach out to you, what's the first step they really need to start thinking about to really get into the you know, fashion business for profit? Well, having an idea is the first thing, obviously. And then you need to really spend some time investigating the market, see where your product would fit, um, come up with a good name tag for it. Don't come up with some French name that nobody can pronounce. Remember, think of a name that's easy to roll off the tongue. And then you've got to do your investigation, your price point, who would buy it? Why would they buy it? What's the purpose of this? There are so many changes in the industry. And it's it's morphed into a whole different industry from when I started out. Now we're looking at really no real trends. As we know, people are wearing, women are wearing their leggings from morning till night some of them maybe shouldn't be doing, but um, they're exercising and then they put a sweater on for lunch and they put a jacket on at night. Um, so there's all these issues of what is a trend now? And then the other thing is sustainability. Big, big deal, right? Everything included not producing miles away, you know, that you actually can produce maybe nearshoring or hopefully domestically, except that America's not invested in their own infrastructure, which is another discussion for another time. But um, finding reliable people to work with, there are so many different dynamics, Sandy, in this industry, everything from the finance to the sourcing to the manufacturing, and then, of course, the sales and the marketing. Um, there's, there's a real, you have to understand each part, because if one part is missing, you're done. So I've seen people with wonderful ideas, and it unfortunately it doesn't go off and then i've seen really good ones and they've got the business skills and then they can take take off with that yeah you really train people comprehensively the legging thing that's going on we call that covid chic in my house everybody's out in their covid wear stare still and you know sometimes the fashion gets kicked aside and then there's a new trend but those trends sometimes come and go. So it's always interesting to see what's the next big trend that's going to happen. And of course, you have your pulse on it. Let's talk about social impact in fashion, because, you know, uh, there's a sock company called Bombus. Many people have heard of that. You buy a pair of socks and then they give back to a community or give a pair of socks to somebody that needs it. How important in your training and your expertise when you provide this world class consulting is talking about giving back to the community as well? Big point, Andy. Uh, not only is it giving back, but it's also can help you with your marketing. So if you think of a particular charity that you would like to donate to or the portion of your, your profits go to, it's really good because they can help cross market what it is you're doing. So if you can get on their website and they get on your website, you've immediately got some traffic cross relating, which I think is important. And of course, it is important to give back as well. Yeah, I want to talk about the, the fashion for profit platform that you've developed. It's very interesting for someone that wants to start a brand. They have some ideas. They don't even know how to sort of incorporate or put an LLC together. I know that you talk about that as well, because that's very important. Do you also offer connections or is that something that you stay away from and let the people who reach out to you sort of connect themselves? 
No, no, no. It's very important. This industry can be brutal. So I have so many people come to me who have no real industry skills, but they have an idea. They go out and look for somebody who can produce the goods um, and they may meet them and they think that they understand the BS that this person's telling them, right? So this, this I see this so many times, Andy. You have to check everybody you work with. Check their credentials. Find out, do they have people they worked with and who they are and follow up with them. Because, you know, one, when I had my fashion business incorporated, which was a nonprofit for 20 years, um, I had one lady come in. She was a banker. She had a great idea for suits for women, but she wanted to make it a little bit more interesting and edgy. And she spent 58000 developing these products. So she came into the office with a rolling rack. And, you know, I just one look. I didn't really have to really inspect one look. And I knew this was a disaster. Right. Tailored jackets where the sleeved cap was not fitting properly. The look at your collar on your, your jacket yourself. It has to be busted open. It must be tailored in certain ways. So unfortunately, this poor lady had lost all that money by going with somebody because she didn't not know what really goes into making a well-made garment. So she lost all this money. So there's, you know, again, investigate, find out who the experts are, check them out. Um, I say to people beginning, go to the SBA, SBDC, SBA. They have free help. They can help you set up your your LLC or sole proprietorship. They have wonderful help there. So I always say, and this, there are SBDCs and SBAs in most most towns. Reach out to them, get some business help with your business, and then once you're getting your development of your product, do your homework. Find out who these people are and who they've worked with. I mean, it's a BS industry, so be careful. That's great advice. And for any entrepreneur in any industry, uh, rewind what Francis just said. I mean, take great care in who you're doing business with and vetting them out. You know, I think about the fashion industry, like all industries, and back in the day, I'm not going to say how many years ago it was because I'm a pretty old guy myself, uh, you know, compared to the fashion industry, but we think about it. And back then, you know, there were small boutiques, there was the Saks Fifth Avenues and the Neiman Marcuses many, many years ago. But today, the younger fashion designers, they can put their fashion online. They can go on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. It must be a completely different sort of methodology and a completely different business than when you first introduced, you know, your book many, many years ago, right? Absolutely true. I mean, you can sell direct to your consumers. As you're saying, you can sell through your own TikTok or Instagram, whichever way you choose, all of them, obviously. But you can sell then direct. So what does this actually mean? This means that you can make orders, smaller orders that you can ship yourself. But the biggest part to this is if you were selling to a retailer, they would mark it up 125% or 120%. So you're not having that add-on to your goods. So you can sell at a much more competitive price when you're selling direct to the consumer. Maybe you're doing a pop-up store. Maybe you're selling, you know, markets or whatever, any way you want. But it's very, it's a really interesting, I think, and a very good time for new companies to actually launch. Yeah, I love it. And I think of the fashion industry, I sort of break it down. And the way I look at it, Francis, is if I have a new design and I have a multitude of SKUs and I need all of these different 
sizes. It seems like my whole house would be filled up with items, but are there programs where they can actually sort of formulate it or build it or create it on demand so that people order it and then it actually sort of gets drop shipped from the manufacturer? How does all that work? It's really a great question because this is something that's happening now. So there's a company called Tukatech, and it's a software company here in LA, and they're all over the world, actually. So you can scan your body or you scan your model, depending on what you want, and then you've got that model. You can design the clothes on the avatar of you and see how it fits. You can change the style lines, do all this. And we did a show in the New Mart in L.A., where they had the screens on the side of the runway with the avatar, where they were changing the designs. And once they'd finalized it, click, and out comes the model wearing those clothes. So, I mean, it wasn't made like exactly that timing, but it just shows you that you can actually design something now that's made specifically to you. And it can then go robot-wise. It can be actually cut by a robot, um not so much the sewing can be done on simple things with a robot but that this kind of made to measure is a new way of doing things and you can go into a mall have your body scanned you've got it on your usc pot and go home put it in your computer and you can try garments on so this is where this is where it's going it's wow. pretty amazing so amazing technology is driving everything of course you're in the middle of it you've been at the business for an amount of time where you've seen some major changes, of course, Francis. Let's talk about your book, Fashion for Profit. I mean, everybody reads it that wants to get in the industry. It's available on Amazon. Uh, you know, you you give them away to younger entrepreneurs. People can buy them. I mean, it's a go-to resource guide. If we look at the different chapters, is there one chapter that you say to yourself, wow, I just wish everybody would read that one chapter first before they even started go going into this industry? Well, probably, I would say, the first chapter, which gives you an outline of everything you need to know when you're starting out. So I would say, read the first chapter, make notes, take your time, find the right people you can trust to work with. Um, of course, it's difficult if you're in the middle of Colorado to find people or you're in the middle of Nevada or where, where you're going to... Well, Nevada is probably easier. But, I mean, I have a, a client who was going in Colorado and um, oh, they had some problems. So they had to re, re find somebody else to make the goods, which I could help them with. So I know some good production people here in LA and people I can trust, um, which is, you know, for years I can trust. So it's very important that you find the right people around you. I mean, I had my line of clothing many years ago, a children's line and uh, togs, it was called. I had a rep here in LA and she said, oh, it's selling really well, Francis. Can you make duplicates? I want them for my showroom in New York. So I said, fine. And so I ran around. I was so excited. Got these duplicates made and shipped them off. I never heard anything. So I had a friend in New York. And I said, Kathy, can you go and check on my clothing in this in the showroom in this building in New York? And so she called me up in the evening. She said, well, your clothes are in the middle of the window and very prominently displayed. Looks really great but they've cut your label out and put somebody else's label in. Wow. So, so, you know, it was like, oh my God, what people do. She'd given it to, because I was new, her philosophy was that it was selling very well and she didn't know because I was new that I could possibly afford 
or had the expertise to have all these garment orders made. So she put in somebody else's label who she'd been working with and knew who she could produce. So, it, you know, life is funny. I mean, my, my daughter, who was then at that time seven, came down with juvenile diabetes. And so, you know, I just had to let it go because you could drive yourself crazy. But, you know, like five years later, I'm reading in the apparel news or the newspaper about this lady going into Harrods of all place, which is, you know, talk about <laughs> karma. She's going into Harrods and she had leggings on, right, Andy? And she had rather big legs and her skin was showing through the leggings, right? So someone came up to her and said, I'm sorry, madam, you've got to leave. You're not dressed appropriately. And so she was escorted out of, out of Harrods and then she sort of started fighting and got Gloria Allred involved. And so it was, but just reading this, I just thought this is, this was worth it. <laughs> yeah. That's karma so crazy, especially in business. It's really interesting. You always have to stand on the upper hand. You always have to do what's right. And you really need two rules in business. Number one, always do the right thing, even when no one's looking. And then number two, if you have any questions, go back to rule number one. Now, you mentioned, you know, uh, New York, you mentioned Los Angeles, you mentioned, you know, Harrods in England. Yeah, so let's talk about it because Africa, South America, Australia, Southeast Asia, I mean, fashion now is worldwide. Has that changed the entire industry? It does to a degree. I mean, I was in Australia, I was invited out there to go and speak to them and their, their styles, are, they're sort of, Trends are similar everywhere as they are in London. I was there last year. And um, so the industry itself, and as, as I haven't mentioned, but I've been working with the United Nations and assisting these third world countries enter the American market. So understanding how to merchandise, how to deal with American uh, buyers and how to do business within America. So my first two contracts were in Peru working with the alpaca wonderful wonderful people and a lot of them were doing sustainability with natural dyes and of course alpaca is a natural fiber um great great experience for both me and for them um and the next one was in nepal working with Kashmir. so i went out there a couple of times working with them assisting them to merchandise and sell their products and then after that um during COVID, i had two contracts in egypt which had to be unfortunately via zoom and so that was an experience that, um, you know, I don't want to upset people. But anyway, uh, out of 54 Zoom meetings that were planned, they only turned up for 24, right? So I'm trying to assist them to understand how to do business in America. And as I said in my final report, just one sentence is enough to do business in America. You do what you say you're going to do. Don't you agree? Yeah, it's powerful. And for the entrepreneurs watching the show, I mean, that story says it all. Because entrepreneurship these days, Francis, as you know, from working with so many entrepreneurs throughout the years, you know, everybody has an idea at breakfast, but 99.9% .9 of them have forgot about the idea by lunchtime. And then the other 1% or 0.01% of the people that remember the idea at lunchtime, many of them don't have the right mindset to pull it off because they want to they want to cut corners 
They want to do business with people maybe they shouldn't be doing business with. Maybe they're looking at a sideways way to look at their business. Maybe they're trying to cut corners. Maybe they're interested in not taking advantage um, of what's available online today and doing things in a different way where people or their end user don't get the best experience. And we know even from Jeff Bezos at Amazon, that it's all about the customer experience. And that's one of the things that you really talk about with your clients is how are you treating the customer? Are you putting the best piece of fashion out there? Like you mentioned, is the shoulder cut right? Or is the lapel looking fantastic? And those are all the little things that I believe in the fashion industry make a big difference. Is that the way you look at it? Absolutely. I mean, if you're trying to show a jacket that's made poorly, you're not going to sell it. So, you know, the the buyers know what they're looking for. Um, the, the buyers themselves, the whole retail has changed tremendously. So unfortunately, they cancel loads of orders in China. So China has warehouses full of cancel goods. So my Chinese friend connection who has a factory in China, he's closed up. So the whole industry has really shifted. I know we're always saying, well, everything's made in China. We built China, right? I mean, we wanted cheap goods, so we went to China. Or now we're in Vietnam or wherever. So there's a whole dynamics. And it's it's a philosophy, too, that we're changing our philosophy. The young people are becoming much more aware about recycling. Um, my daughter-in-law, who lives in Maui, who has... They have enough money, but she comes over here and just goes to the Goodwill and buys all her clothes for the year. That's it. And you're hearing more and more about people doing that. So I don't know if you've been in a Goodwill recently, but um, I was down there with with my daughter-in-law and I was like, wow, they have some pretty damn good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's really interesting. We spoke about this in the pre-interview. My wife and I were in Paris and the young people are going to the the used or the reused or the or the resale shops or the goodwills or the recycle shops. And it's just the way that they wear the apparel, the way in which they put the items together in this day and age. Anything can be fashioned as long as it's put together well. Is that the way you look at it? You're right. I mean, what what is trendy? Okay, so she's wearing a pair of hot pants. She looks good in them. She's wearing a pair of hot pants. She does not look good in them, right? So, but you don't have to wear those. You can wear, you know, full, full, full pants, you know, full leg pants. Um, you can wear tight leg pants. You can wear cut off pants. You know, you can wear, which I don't quite get, is the distressed denim look, you know, with holes everywhere and spending a fortune for buying jeans with holes all everywhere. If you've ever seen the process of them ever making those, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling to see them taking a perfect pair of jeans and then destroying them. But wow. anyway, each yeah, to their uh, own, right? <laughs> yeah, very interesting, the the whole space, the entire fashion industry. How in, And I know I'm keeping you over, but I am fascinated. How important is celebrity culture with fashion? In other words, if you're a fashion designer or someone coming out of the gate and you're able to get some of your fashion on one of the celebrities that then gets picked up on, you know, social or television or in a magazine cover. How important is that for sort of a breakout opportunity for a young fashion designer? It's on who the celebrity is, right? (laughs) You know, if you've got it on somebody who you really want to represent your goods, 
That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Great marketing. But if it's put on somebody who doesn't really reflect your mythology of your business, then that's not going to help you. Interesting. When people come to you and they have an idea, do you give them straightforward advice? Do you give them a little Francis Harder, hard talk, I'll call it, where they come up with an idea and you're saying to yourself, I don't see any way possible this is going to break through or are you always encouraging and allowing them the opportunity to sort of try and take it to the next level no i ask them i usually can see it straight away whether it's a good idea or not and so we'll do some investigation and we'll look at the marketplace out there and see where the fit is um before they lose all their life savings so it's really important to do your homework and to you know, answer all the questions that go about putting together a a line of clothing that's going to be wanted. The price point has to be right. Um, Sustainability is a big issue. So what is it that you're doing? I always say to everybody when starting out, you know, please with the Egyptians is um, make sure that you start by getting rid of those hang tags, you know, with the plastic piece hanging down. You don't need that. They just end up in fish's gulls. You know, they end up in the ocean. The ocean is just so polluted with this plastic that we're using on everything. So try to begin by being sustainable is very, very important. I know that the Egyptian company I work with, um, they were saying what they were doing with their cut fabrics. That was So they cut the fabric. You've always got pieces over. So they would let the workers take them home and they made them into rugs. So, you know, why not? Find ways instead of wasting. In the landfill, it's 27% textiles and clothing. So we have to start thinking about that. Wow. Incredible. And I'm glad you give that straight look, the straight shot. You know, a lot of consultants don't do that, or a lot of people that train don't do that because they believe that they shouldn't do that. But I like it because you're taking all your background, all your experience and putting it on the line and saying, hey, maybe I like it, but let's do a little testing. Maybe maybe we can put out a minimal viable product to see even if the if the people in society even like what you have to offer. Is a minimal viable product an important part of how you respond and how you react and consult with your clients? It's absolutely. And Another thing is to maybe take them to see, meet some of the top sales reps, see what they have to say. They are, they are usually very, very up on what the buyers want and what they want to buy, who they want to buy from. There are so many aspects to it that, you know, that it, understanding all of it is not easy. And it's, it's taken me years to find out, obviously. I want to end by talking to the entrepreneurs watching the show who maybe are struggling, maybe having a tough time. I mean, they see you. I mean, they know that you're a leader in your field. You've written this magnificent book and it has multiple iterations. It's a go-to guide on how to get into the fashion for profit business. What about the younger entrepreneurs, Francis, watching the show? What kind of advice can we give to them about what it takes to keep on pushing as an entrepreneur and how to keep on pushing through the roadblocks and the freeze frames where you freeze in the frame and keep on pushing? Well, I mean, I talk to young people a lot and I talk about networking and how important it is. Make the time to go out and make connections because connections then will open up doors, right? That they will, you never know, they will say, hey, you know, I know a sales rep that would love this. Go and see them. They're in the mart. 
there are so many uh, opportunities now for for young entrepreneurs. And I think it's a good time. Again, you need money. You can't do this on nothing. So you don't need as much as maybe you did in the past, but you still have to budget. So where's your money coming from? Product development, who's going to make your samples and your patterns? You know, you can think about if you're doing a tailored jacket, it could be $1,200 just to put together the, the patterns. And by the way, Andy, I have to say, I think it's congratulations to you for not wearing a tie. And it's about time those ties got cut up. Oh. I made a skirt. I made a skirt from one, actually. It was really good. Oh, <laughs> not once, not one, a load of ties, and they were all sewn together for a skirt. Well, thank you. And I almost wore a tie for this show today, knowing you were going to be on. So I'm glad I went the counterintuitive way. Francis, you're a delight. I mean, what a leader in the field. It's a real honor to have had you on the show today. What you're doing, you know, with your education and, you know, the sourcing and the networking and teaching people about the operations and the marketing and the, everything that you do inside this business, this multi-billion dollar business is phenomenal. Talking about sustainability, talking about social impact and giving people the resources they need really to build a successful fashion business is remarkable. I want to thank you so much for coming on the dot-com magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you, Andy. It was really a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah.